Hello, all you paranormal freaks. It's the last Saturday of the month, and you know what that means. The veil is at its thinnest. So if you're brave enough, all of you hitchers and drifters, load up for a ride with Golden Jay and Logan as they traverse to the other side. Hello, all of my bloodthirsty pumpkin carving paranormal freaks out there. It is I, Golden Jay, hanging out with just Logan. <laughs> And the straw man. man. There he is right there. <laughs> I am super excited that the straw man is with us. I was actually thinking back today as, as I was kind of preparing myself for, uh, for today's recording. Straw man was one of our first reviews on Apple. And I remember giving him a shout out early on. And uh, him replying I, with, I can't remember. It was an email that you sent us. Do you remember for sure? It would have been Facebook. Um, I think I when I sent something, it was on Facebook. Almost all my interactions have been on Facebook. Right on, right on. But that goes way back. So you've been a long time to stop listener. Um, I uh, owe it all to the to the artist. I seen the the clip of the uh, the um. Oh my God! I'm so sorry. The scarecrow and i was like that looks badass let's try this out nice (laughs) that's the point baby askins is doing his work bringing people in i I don't think we'll ever retire haskins will we no man he's the he's the mainstay man that'd be like getting rid of chester cheeto (laughs) (laughs) can't do that That'd be like getting rid of Taylor Swift. Who else would we sell tickets to Kansas City? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh. Well, man, welcome to the show. First time on the uh, on the actual pod with us. Uh, I know we talked about you a million times on here because you are a, a fan and you uh, do do a lot of interactions with us. I know that you and me have talked a lot of football. You still are you still a Steelers fan, or have you? Uh, Kind of hiding your head on that one at this point. Um, they're doing decent this year. I'm actually really surprised that it hasn't been pretty at all. But <laughs> they've uh they've definitely been keeping up. Yeah, uh, uh, your rookie quarterback. Well, he's not really a rookie anymore. Well, I got to think. But he had he played all last year. Um, is starting to really come together, which I, I was hoping he would. He would because there was just something about him I really liked when I watched him get drafted and. And uh, I'm excited for you guys. Hopefully uh, they'll get it all put together and, and uh, you guys will make some solid runs here in the AFC in the next uh, couple of years. Oh yeah. He's definitely feeling uh, more confident now. I seen the fire in his eyes yesterday. Nice. <laughs> oh, if my uh, West Virginia Mountaineers could get on the same page, then we might be able to talk about something good, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, just remember in the, in the sports, uh, uh, uh bubble you can't have it all you're gonna have one or the other yeah yeah that's the that's the truth right there <laughs> as you notice logan looks really lost when we talk about uh we talk about football i don't do sports ball unless it's the the bruins or the the devils i don't i don't pay attention to no sports so i i, I love i love hockey i just i never get a chance to watch it anymore it's better in person anyways like i just keep up with scores 
nothing beats a live hockey game, but like watching on the TV, especially as you get older, it's a little harder to keep track of. Absolutely. I used to watch NASCAR, game, but I've never been to a professional. I want to get up and see the Penguins. Uh, not the Penguins. I was well, it's thing to me. So other than like fair. Those, that's the fair. Blue Jackets in Ohio, and yeah, I, nothing from Ohio is any good to me. Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky enough to make it to the United Center a few years ago to see uh, the Abs and the Blackhawks play. Uh, and I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, a regular compared to, we had a minor league team close called the Comets, the Port Wayne Comets, and uh, to go watch an actual NHL game compared to that, the speed is unbelievable. It's yeah. just it's crazy how fast those guys are on that ice. It's pretty amazing. Definitely recommend an NHL game. Yeah. Once I moved to Texas, like I got to watch the they had we had a natural local team for a while but as soon as i moved here i gotta watch them play one game and it, they folded it they were like nope nobody wants to come watch the wildcatters play nobody gives shit about that <laughs> hockey in southeast texas so it was just gone <laughs> instantly fort, fort wayne did a uh indoor football uh team a couple different times uh me and scotty t actually spent an entire season going and watching the fusion play every game and that was a blast man i'll tell you what um those guys running into walls, you know, and shit. It was just amazing. <laughs> Those guys are hardcore. <laughs> oh. What you, uh, oh, what you been doing uh, for the month of October so far, Mason? Anything special you've been doing or plans or? Well, nothing really. Um, the boyfriend loves doing uh, haunted houses, and I don't do that because last time I was in one, was in a haunted corn maze out in Mothman country. And uh, <laughs> some guy came behind me and they weren't supposed to touch you. He touched me and I whipped his ass. It was, it was, it was a bad night. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. So yeah, I mostly just drive around. I sit them in the, let him sit in the, where I send him in. I sit in the car and watch football or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a good plan. That's yeah, what I was gonna do know, with Jen. <laughs> I love a good if haunted like house. A, if it's like a ghost tour or something like that, I'm all for it. But yeah, yeah, there's night and day difference. Name, no. <laughs> Between uh somebody intentionally popping out of the woods to scare the shit out of you to maybe seeing a ghost, there's two different feels there. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I haven't done a haunted house since I was like in elementary school. So, uh, yeah, I don't know that when they grabbed the girl in front of me and pulled her into the coffin, that was all I needed to see. Oh, Fuck no. that little bitch. <laughs> I was out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Gone. No. <laughs> I do them whenever I can, but, uh, the one that we did a photo shoot for, uh, right when two started for, uh, team Tejas they were tearing it down to rebuild and uh, they were post open this year and they still weren't ready yet. So it's still not open. Really? It looks great now though. It's like a two story building they built out there and it looks fantastic, but they just couldn't get enough work done before the season hit again. So now they have to wait a whole nother year before they can get people out there. So did, did I ever tell you that uh, we had, we had, and, and I say this, we had a building that we had on, uh, as part of the uh, the hospital complex, 
and it wasn't necessarily on the same land as the hospital. It was more downtown, but it was an old, old building. And people claimed that it was haunted and I never ran into anything. I worked in that building in the basement by myself and nothing ever happened to me, but we had, um, a delivery girl that would not go into it. She was, she was, uh, she claimed to be a sensitive and she said that there was just way too much evil in there and she wouldn't deliver inside the building. And I think she was there twice and then never came back. She wouldn't deliver that route. But the way that this building was set up, it was three stories Had you know, the basement floor, a, a main floor, which was like five steps up to get into the main door. And then, of course, the third floor, there was stairways at each end. And then there was a stairway uh, on the one side that would only go from the second floor to the basement. And, and it was just really weird the way these stairways were set up. We actually shot the video for... Um, uh, ledge in the stairway of this building for uh, what Crankshaft Glory did that three uh, that trilogy of videos those music videos and I always thought that would be the greatest place for a haunted house because you could go in the front door you know go up the one stairs or go down the one st- you know what I'm saying and you the doorways would go the couple of the doorways went outside and went you know nowhere but outside and it was just crazy I always thought that would be the perfect setup for a haunted house and you could actually utilize all three floors by you just mapping out the stairways and, and doing all that shit. That's but they sold it. I never got a, I never got a chance to put a haunted house. <laughs> they have an old abandoned hotel that they used in Beaumont for the longest time for a haunt. And then, uh, then they moved to like a smaller building, but they still called it the haunted hotel. That's actually where me and Kayla went on our first date was that mini golf. Yeah, you talked about that in uh, in uh, the upcoming Chiller Filler, about that being your first date. I mean, is that something that you guys sat down and talked about? Or, I mean, I mean, is I mean, did you just, like, get her in the car and was like, I'm going to go play mini golf, and then I'm um, taking you to a haunted house? And she yep. was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I was in charge of planning the planning it, so I was like, yeah, we'll go do this, and then we'll go do this. And then after that, we went to 7-Eleven and got some Slurpees. <laughs> 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 what is her um is it uh i know that she did a while back she did a full makeup for this uh for what the ghost one oh her, uh casper yeah um yep. what is what is her uh what is her tiktok handle or instagram handle for that uh creepy kitty cosmetics there you go you guys gotta go check that out because she did an amazing job she takes the whole video of her putting on the makeup and when she's done she looks just like the uh the the art that we have for for casper yeah uh yeah non-trademark there yeah it's different it's spelled different <laughs> it's all in how you say it yeah <laughs> no she kills it and uh she does she she also crochets and sews for camping this weekend she made me my halloween uh crochet outfit i'm wearing and she made me my biking costume for the next day so no wait do we get to see pictures of this Oh, there'll absolutely be pictures of this. All right. There better there, be. There there might be one night that all the ladies planned on uh doing uh Playboy bunny costumes in all different colors. And I might have bought myself the gold one. <laughs> so, all <yeah>. right. <laughs> That's there'll the definitely shit. be pictures. <laughs> well, your sister's going, right? 
Yeah, she'll be there too. She's used yeah, to it. She's a hundred pictures. Yeah, she'll she yeah. takes a hundred pictures of that stuff. So no. <laughs> well, Mason, I want to thank you for the shirts. I'm wearing my Mothman Festival shirt. I've got Logan still in the box back here, and I'm gonna send it to him here eventually. Or maybe when I'm down there this year, maybe I'll just bring it with me. I haven't quite decided yet, but I do have his right here. It is it is ready to go. Can you yeah. tell us uh, how was the festival? Very, very hot. Um, <laughs> I was like, I understand their their reasoning and not doing it in October because of all, all the stuff that goes on during the weekends in October. But like, my God, in September, there's just no reason to be out there. And you're, you're out there on the river, which helps us out some, but it's still crazy and insanely hot. But other than that, it was like really cool. Like um, there was all kinds of different vendors um doing like uh like homemade masks and uh different like um stuff for your home and uh there was all kinds of people dressed up as like men in black and uh and uh, a couple of the mothman creatures and it was really cool though nice could you imagine getting in a full costume in the heat like that <laughs> dude it was bad i seen this one guy he was in a full sasquatch um oh. costume and there is no way, no. Wow, that is <laughs> how you get heat for that. Good lord! Yeah, that's why we wait till October and November to go to Renaissance Festival. It opens about a month before, and right. it's still too hot in Texas to where it'll be like ninety some degrees outside. So we we wait until it cools down before we go. Gotcha. Yeah, it would be dope to check out something like that, though. I've never been to like a cryptid festival or anything like that. I've been to comic cons and nerdy stuff but nothing for the cryptic community yeah we do that one we do the mothman festival in point pleasant and then we also do the the sasquatch festival in um flatwoods and then i think they do like a flatwoods monster thing too yeah i was about to ask you that yeah i think they both coincide with that and then uh there was a few people dressed up as uh the flatwoods monster down at the mothman festival also yeah yeah, you guys got a bunch of good cryptids down in that area. Yeah, there's all kinds of good creepy shit in this state, you know, between, uh, you know, cryptids and meth heads. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, man, don't even get me started on meth heads. I woke up this morning, right? Go downstairs to get in my car and I get to grab my handle. And when I go to grab my handle, I look inside my car and it looks like my glove compartment has exploded. Like there's uh-huh. just shit everywhere. So Logan was late to work because he had to call the cops because somebody broke into his car and rifled through all the shit. But you you knew it was one of these. We have a lot of meth heads around here that ride on these electric bicycles, like homemade electric bicycles. Oh, fun. And you know it's one of them because like they clearly couldn't haul stuff because like I said, I'm about to go camping. So my trunk is full of all sorts of new camping stuff. I got a brand new beer pong table back there, my nice sleeping bag, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. and they went back there. They opened the trunk. They poured out my Walmart bags and stuff. Didn't steal none of it. But what they took was a dollar bill, loose <laughs> change, and like old crusty Pokemon cards that were in my visor that I just liked and had up there. Turned out my whole car, and that's all they took. Wow. Because they they didn't know. they they One, must have been panicking, and two, they couldn't load up a beer pong table and all that onto a bicycle. <laughs> so I was like, I was mad. Don't get me wrong, but then I was also like, this could have been way worse. 
I've never had my car dealt with, but I have had stuff stolen off my front porch. Somebody had stole my uh, Jack Skellington um, um, projection light. I was ready to kill over that. And That's then horrible. they stole a $300 weed eater. And yeah, I was like, okay, I'm tired of this. I'm living in town right now. I'm going to go back to the country. So now I'm back out here in the country where you might get shot. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll take the car. The last thing that I had stole from here was about like four, uh, probably like close to five years ago. Well, it might have even been longer than that. Uh, my whole ass uh, Indian Scout motorcycle. What? We had a massive storm, and I mean like a batten down the hatches storm here, and my bike didn't even have a battery in it because it had died. So I had bought a new one, and it was charging inside. Mm-hmm. During that storm, they must have came with a trailer and just pushed my bike up onto it. I come outside the next day, there's nothing but my bike cover out there, and it's just gone. Oh, that's freaking horrible. Oh, these are the worst. Yes, they are. Mine was in Chicago. Oh, yeah, while well, it tracks. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we went to uh we went to uh the double door. I think it was yeah, the double door to see a band back when we were doing golden uh image radio real heavy. Uh high gloss black was paying up there. So we drove up, parked on the street with a hundred other cars, and uh when we walked out at two o'clock in the morning, they had taken out my back window and stole a messenger bag that had nothing but a bunch of paperwork in it for for the radio station because i would always carried it with me all my notes and stuff from my interviews and all that and uh they left all the money in the in the console they left uh phones and cameras in the glove compartment they didn't go through anything else they just busted out my window and stole that bag and i do believe that was like late november early december so you know indiana's cold as shit yeah and uh the cops were like we'll just send you a report our officers are too busy eating donuts to come down there and check it out and i'm like all right and i mean literally that's what he told me he literally told me that they were on the donut run and they didn't have time to come down there they were too busy um i appreciate the honesty actually (laughs) yeah exactly i I was laughing (laughs) at him uh, so me and Billy were in the front seat and, uh, angel, the old angel of rock was in the back seat. We were throwing her every jacket we had. The the heater was on full blast and we're running down 80, 90 at 70 miles an hour with all that cold. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, it's <laughs> fucking awful. <laughs> we made it. it That's was the tight, worst part but... too. They just probably grabbed that bag cause they probably thought there was a laptop in there and all they did exactly. was take stuff that had importance to you and just you. I it's just, I, in hindsight, I wish I had, because I remember when we left, there was a dumpster right around the corner. I wish I would have just stopped and just poked in my head in that dumpster to see that if it was in there, because I can't imagine that it, once they pop that window, grab that bag and open it up, that there was anything that they give two shits about. It just would have hit, yeah. hit the trash. That's the same with me is like, like I said, those were just like shitty Pokemon cards up in my, my visor that I just kept up there, but behind them was a picture that my son drew me when he was like itty bitty uh-huh. and when they grabbed all those cards they took that with them too because it uh-huh. wasn't anywhere in the car so it's just like you shitheads so like you didn't take none of the stuff you could have sold like i said i bet bags to walmart shit still in the package they could have took that to walmart and got money for it and stuff it's like but no you had to grab the shitty pokemon cards and take a picture that you know i'm the only person in the world that gives a shit about it right but <laughs> All I know is that most of us don't take a beer pong table, go camping. 
Well, then you're not camping, right? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. We just take bottles, you know, right. coolers full of beer. We don't worry about playing beer pong. <laughs> oh, man, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> Most of us leave room for stoves and uh, and tents and, uh, you know, Listen, shit like that. I'm going with enough people to where everybody has I... everything covered. So <laughs> somebody else is bringing the fire pit. I don't have to bring that. Someone else is bringing the wood. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm going camping. It's going to be on a camper. I can't do the whole tent thing anymore. I have not slept on the ground in I don't know how long. I I think the last uh, the last one I woke up and the air mattress was deflated and I was still laying on the ground. It's like, yep, nope, no more, done, out. <laughs> up till two years ago, I was a oh I don't need a air mattress to go camping. Blah blah blah. Uh, two years ago, it was freezing. Uh, and I was just sleeping on the ground and I was like, I'm fucking getting an air mattress. I ain't ever sleeping on the ground ever again. <laughs> now I got a big old air mattress. I sleep on. I, I couldn't live. I couldn't do it without an air mattress and, and a fan. I got to have a fan in there for noise. Fans. Number one. I take it with me everywhere I go. does not matter what's going on. It's got to be in there. Oh yeah. Yep. I sleep with a fan right on my face here, but there I don't need it because like I said, it's the biggest Renaissance festival in the United States. And people don't, there's people that don't sleep. So there's, you'll be hearing bands all night and people running their stereos and generators. So sound is not noise is not a problem. Now, see, when we go to KC, uh, we have a specialty fan that we are, you know, it's just a box fan. It's not the special about it, but we, we have a fan that goes with us everywhere because Bobby will not sleep in the same room with me because I snore and I keep her awake at night. That fan helps drown me out, drown them out. <laughs> So like when I go to Casey with with uh, Chico, uh, like I did last year, we're going to go again this year, and uh, he, I make sure to take the fan so that I can drown, so he doesn't have to hear me snore. <laughs> the last time we all went together, me and Skyler snored so loud he had to sleep in the bathtub. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. It was terrible. I felt I offered to buy him his own room. I was like, man, I'll just get you a room because we were out there uh, in Cle- we were in uh, Cleveland. Went and seen 30 Seconds to Mars and then did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we had a hotel and we got out there Friday and we kept him up all night because of our snoring. And uh, on Saturday night, he just slept in the tub. (laughs) (laughs) She's stuff like that doesn't keep me up because I've the the my buddy Kyle, the one that the skunk ape designs based on. Uh uh, He snores. He snores worse than you. It sounds like a grizzly bear that's got breathing issues. And I've always been able to sleep through it. Now, when he's at my house and he falls asleep on the couch, my kids get worried because they're just they'll just sit there and watch him. And they're like, is he fine? <laughs> and like, yeah, he's fine. Uh-huh. They'll, just, they'll just they'll have a little four year old and six year old will go over there and nudge him and to wake him up and be like, you good? <laughs> That's funny because I know it's true. Been yeah. there, done that. <laughs> we did that on our way to Dallas and Andy fell asleep in the uh, well, I remember. Uh, he he's a truck driver. He's like, oh man, I got this covered. I'll drive that whole way. You guys sleep. We'll go at night. Blah blah blah. About uh, what? About three four hours outside of Dallas. He he taps me. He says like, I'm tapping out. I'm like, okay, I'll drive. And I don't think I was a mile down the road till he was out. And he's that heavy snorer also, but it's that snore and then quit breathing and then start snoring again type thing and i'm like driving yeah. down driving down the main highway going is he dying on me or what <laughs> yeah <laughs> going on? 
The good old yeah. is kicking you in. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I gotta ask Mason, what did you think of the Vamptober intro? The new one just for Vamptober. I liked it. You know, it was a. Uh... Got me right into the spirit of wanting to, you know, go stab some people. Some <laughs> I was so happy. I want to give out. Uh, I know I'd done this earlier this uh, this month, but once again, I want to give a shout out to Chris Clayton for his uh, his uh, voiceover work in that. Uh, I can't thank him enough for taking the time and doing that. Uh, it turned out great. So anybody listening today that enjoyed the intro. Go check out Chris's uh, podcast, Guys with Issues. They drop every Wednesday. That they are a what? I don't know what you want to call them, like a comic book book club. Yeah. That would be the best thing to call them. Um, they're a lot of fun to listen to. They they work well together. Him, Will, and Pat, and uh, they work well together. And go check them out, uh, Guys with Issues. Get them on Spotify, Apple uh google and uh i'm not sure there's a couple more so uh go check them out and thanks again chris for all your work on that we appreciate it all right are we ready to get into what we're going to uh, i got notes here i'm scratching them out uh what we're going to talk about today which is the vamptober wrap-up yeah i'm ready for it logan's got notes I do, and I did my <laughs> my re-listen at 1.5 speed like I always do the day of beforehand, which that intro is wild sped up, too. Uh, really? Yeah. I might have to check that out. I said that and J-Dub's laugh is always great yeah. sped up. J-Dub on, on 1.5 is... Uh... Yeah, she laughs like yeah, like Theodore from Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I that, that's the only time I listen at 1.5 is when I'm doing when I'm going through my second run through for this because normally I just listen to normal speed. Right. I I do a lot of driving for like work and everything, so like I don't need it to go faster. I need it to I need to last my drives and everything. So. <laughs> All right, man. We'll take it away. All righty. So we started out Vamptober with J Dub telling us about the vampires of New Orleans. Oh. Uh, on October 4th, you guys got into the show by talking about all your neighbors' decorations and everything going around town, which I still haven't seen pictures of a lot of them, which is a little upsetting. Oh, sorry, man. And uh, then we talked about, uh, then you talked about the launch of the Vamptober merch. That's how we kicked off that episode. That's so, yeah. a great kickoff. That was a no, lot of good stuff. Yeah. No pictures whatsoever. Um, sorry, man. It's it's the the one, the one really good one uh down the road from us uh is so hard to because it's right on a main main road there a heavily traveled road so it's really kind of hard to stop and in the middle of this road and take pictures but uh, i'll see if i can get a couple snaps before the end of the season here i love those big big setups like we've got behind our walmart here in town i drove past it i went out of my way to drive past the other day let the kids see it like one person has a a barbecue set up where it's all skeletons outside having like a barbecue and then like the next house over of course has to beat them. So they got all these inflatables that are like taller than their house. <laughs> and just, I love it when neighbors start competing like that. Like we decorated outside of our apartment. We made uh, some cardboard decorations, painted them ourselves, made some tombstones and stuff. And uh, as soon as that was done, my next door neighbor has stuff up. And then after that, 
the neighbor off to the other side of me has stuff up. It's a chain reaction, you know? Once somebody does it, other people have to follow suit. I love it. By the way, you did a great job on your tombstones uh, yeah. from the pictures I've seen. I thought they turned out really good. I noticed it's not in your background tonight. We got to swap it up. You know? <laughs> it was here last time, and it's going to change when I do the call guys this week, too. So just got to keep mixing it up. Right now, I got my boo bucket from McDonald's. Got a box of booberry, some my booberry and Frankenberry action figure. Got some Sam's. My pumpkin stack I painted up the other day. I love still, it. I got a marshmallow mask I bought. Is that that guy sitting behind you? I can see <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Do you ever you ever listen to Marshmallow? I don't think I've ever heard anything. But you should check him out. You can find him on Spotify or wherever you else you listen to United States Paranormal. <laughs> Well, yeah. That was that was a shitty plug. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure Marshmallow will be fine. <laughs> okay, so the first blood sucker she discussed was I'm gonna butcher his name. He's from France, so I imagine it's Jacques 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 Saint. There's an S at the end of his name though. Jacques Jacques. Well, it's, it's it's French. What do you want? <laughs> Saint Germain, who moved to New Orleans from France in 1902. The man claimed himself to be the direct descendant of Count, the Count of St. Germain. And it wasn't long before the man became renowned for entertaining and a socialite for New Orleans nightlife. That was until late one night, the screams of a young woman could be heard coming from his house. Shortly after, the woman leapt from the second story of the building just to escape the, the torture she was enduring, uh, telling people on the street that she'd been terrorized by her host claiming he had latched onto her neck with his teeth when the local police came to investigate Jermaine was nowhere to be found but countless bottles of wine slash blood mixtures were found all throughout his house uh unfortunately the victim did die later on in the hospital so apparently he latched onto her pretty good if she uh she died from it and, and i forgot the... to check in to see if uh have you ever had the saint germain's liquor no, I didn't know it was a thing. Yo, it's really, really good. Is it um, named after him or his family? I, that's, I, I was going to check into that, and I, I forgot. I mean, I've been so freaking busy. I haven't even even thought about it a second, a second thought about it. So I don't know. But uh, I know that it, it comes in a really kick-ass bottle, and it is really good. I mean, it's a straight. It's a straight. It's not even a mixture. You can just throw it over the rocks and just enjoy it. I mean, it's really, really good but it's just called Satan Germains. I wouldn't be surprised if it was for him. I mean, you've got all sorts of booze now, like hell you got 19 crimes or whatever, which has like convicted murderers and stuff on the labels. So why not? Well, all I know is don't give it to Ozzy because he'll just throw up and piss the bed. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, the worst part is, is that could go for the rock star or your dog. Like, <laughs> well, it's not interchangeable there. It was the dog. No. And I blame Chico. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Let's see. The second vampire, or should I say vampires, J-Dub discussed, was the Carter brothers. These two brothers that worked the docks of New Orleans claimed uh, claimed to fame was that they had claimed over a dozen victims between the two of them. Just like the previous story, the alleged vampire's undoing was the escape of one of their victims. Uh, the escapee informed the local police of the horrors the brothers had going on in their home where they had multiple people tied up and being slowly drained of blood uh, for the siblings to drink. 
After embarking to the brothers' home while they worked the dock during the day, the officers discovered a grisly scene with dead bodies drained of blood, wrapped in sheets, and still living victims with bandaged wrists uh, tied to chairs. So, I uh, when when I go back and look at this stuff, I do research of my own too, and like the that case is really interesting because they claimed uh, there's two different stories about what happened when the police officers found out about what was going on. There's one story that claims that they went there uh, with a bunch of officers and waited, but the brothers never came back. So the next day they just went to the docks and got the brothers there. But the main story that's told is that the police officers got the eight biggest guys they had on the force. They set up in that house and waited for them to come. And when they came, uh, the brothers put up a fight and it says that the brothers were managed to fend off about five of them uh, before they were detained and brought to the the jailhouse. So it, it's up in the air where they were taken in from and like how it went down. But, um, if I rem- but if I remember right, didn't they both beg for death because... Yeah, once they once they got captured, they were both begging to be put down because they're like, listen, we're vampires. We're going to kill again. So just just do us in. Yeah. Um, there's I another said the Carter brothers. I'm sorry. I, no, I no. automatically went to Aaron and Nick Carter and I <laughs> imagine Nick walking off the dock or something. Great to sing to you and get some blood from you. <laughs> Did a little dance the whole time. It could be equally scary. <laughs> Uh, there also is a thing saying that they escaped. There's another one of the local legends is saying they escaped, uh, prison, but the truth is that they were in fact tried and then not, uh, they did not include that they were crazy. And they also included, they weren't vampires and they put them down. And when they did so, they put them in their family crypt. Uh, local legend says when they went to go add somebody else to the family crypt, because in Louisiana, a lot of people go and what around here people call pizza oven uh tombs which are those tombs that look like a brick pizza oven that are sealed up and how those work back in the day they made them because the ground in louisiana is wet flooding is rough so burying in the ground isn't always work right so the way these things work is uh people back in the day would pay to be put in one and when the bill stopped getting paid uh if it wasn't like a family plot they would break it open and they would push your bones to the back to where they could fall down into a wide receptacle underneath and put a new person in. But if it's a family crypt, they just scoot your bones to the back and put your family in there. Well, they claim when the Carter brothers had a family member die a few years after them, they went to go open it up and put a new body in there and scrape their bones back, but their bones weren't in there. And people say that's because they fed off uh, what was remaining of their family members that were in there before them. And that vampires get more strength from blood and stuff from family members. So they think that uh, they got killed. They got back in there. They drained some blood and they escaped. Who knows? Wait, wait, what year was that again? That was, oh, did I not write the year down on that one? Yeah, because I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't write the year on that one. Got in both the other ones, not that one. I'm assuming that's way before embalming became a thing. And if that's what, if that's the theory that they, fed off the uh the bones and blood of their dead relatives that uh that was before embalming was a thing who knows maybe that just adds flavor (laughs) 
<laughs> just like a little sauce, oh, yeah. a little hot sauce in there. <laughs> they also there's also stories about some of their victims. Uh, one of their victims that survived, Felipe. Uh, it was said that he went on a 32 person draining spree. Uh, and they found out about this stuff when they found his diary in his home in on Bourbon Street. Uh, the diary was said to depict his tale into madness and uh, bloodlust, and uh, they say that he claimed up to 32 victims. They had another victim that never killed anybody, but said that she hungered for blood and ended up being put in a, a nut house. So. One of those things where you don't have any like definite proof, but like if you go to where all this happened, everything like everybody is just like this is how it happened, right? Right. So I don't know if they ever found any actual bodies or if they just found the journal of this dude and they were they just like, oh, he said he killed thirty two people, so thirty two people it was. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. But that was uh. Well, nope. She had one more. She had the. Mm-hmm. The 1728 casket girls. Right. Uh, that one, like she, she covered that one as there wasn't a bunch of new research that I found on that one at all. It was all pretty to the point, like to where how she talked. You guys actually got into talking about the 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 Mandela effect, right? As I call it the the Mangala effect. Um, <laughs> and how like the one story says this, but then later on. You've got people saying, no, this house wasn't boarded up till after here, or this person didn't die till here. Very conflicting stories that like both sides of the fence like stand firmly by. Like you got the camp of like, no, this place wasn't boarded up until long after that. So they're not right. boarded up in there. And then you got people like, no, they're still boarded up in there. And they did it back then. So you never like that. That's another one of those ones. It's like, yeah, unless you go back and look at like when these girls came over. And it's just like they didn't keep definite proof of everything back then. And like nobody's going to write down like on this day, this house was boarded up and like an official paperwork that you're going to be able to go back on and read up on. Right. Right. So it just kind of becomes whatever the lore of the town made it. Sometimes whatever makes tourism better. So <laughs> Well, yeah. And that's and that's a big part of it, too. It's like uh, some of these stories I've been researching lately that uh, the stories don't make sense. And the timelines of some of the some of the articles you're reading, and then you realize that uh, it's all been made up to, you know, just bring in more tourism and you know and stuff like that. Especially now, in in the last few years, where paranormal has just been so much bigger, you know, in the grand scheme of it. But uh, yeah, I, I find it very interesting. I, I know that we had some fun, or at least the girls did with. Um, you know, kind of theorizing what the caskets were, whether it was theirs or whether it was if they brought vampires in in the caskets or, you know, it was just kind of fun to uh, for, to listen to them theorize about that a little bit. My thing is, how big were these damn things? Because they said they were carrying them. So I can't imagine they're like full sized caskets. If these well, are just ladies carrying them around. So were like they smaller sized? Were they bringing in like children vampires or? I don't know. I just unpictured them on wheels and they were wheeling them in. I never thought about see, them carrying when, them in. But See, when I hear carrying, man, I think of like, you know, they, I grew up in the 90s, early 2000s. So there's a bunch of chicks carrying around those hot topic fucking little coffin 
handbags and stuff in high school and stuff. So when they say this, I'm thinking like, I was like, wow, those have been around that long, huh? <laughs> it's but, true. It's true. I mean, there, but there is tales and vampirism to where like, they wouldn't need a big box to carry them around because there's one, there's a lot of lore that says vampires can be in the form of ash and dirt. And you just add some blood to them and they're just right back to fresh. So. Crazy. Or, or maybe they were transporting the young and just bringing them to the United States. There's no telling. Well, that's why we need a time machine so we can go back and check it out. No, you it don't out. fuck with time travel, man. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you fuck with anything. Just go back and watch and, you know, be like, like uh, a time traveling cuck. Is that what you're going a for? Cuck? <laughs> yeah, I'm not explaining <laughs> if you don't know. Just, don't go there. just yeah. likes to watch. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Anyway, Mason, what did you think of this episode? Since we got you on here to discuss this, what was your what was your take on J Dub stories? Well, first of all, whenever she started um, the whole episode off, whenever she was describing what a vampire was, and she was talking about how the seductive voice and everything, I was like, for some reason, I just pictured Dave Chappelle as Rick James going, "Give it to me, babe." And, uh, I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, that that just totally went over my head. But um, going back to what uh, Logan was saying, I was thinking that with the casket girls, that like if they were like a familiar, then maybe they had some kind of special power where they were able to be stronger and stuff like that, and they were able to carry these damn things. Could you imagine just like a bunch of nuns at a nunnery? having three chicks get off this boat and then they're just have full size coffins and they're just toting them by hand and like, are we moving in over here? And the nuns are like, sure. It's got a couple of like cases like to do a couple of yeah, things yeah. like cook some beer. Nobody at the Catholic oh, church is spot checking. Like, like let's let us look in the box first, you know, especially depending on the time. Cause you know, like the diseases and everything, especially like 1728, I'm sure there was some kind of plague or something that people could have been getting from corpses we're like maybe leave your corpse on the boat like yeah you don't need it inside you're here to get a husband do you think you're going to get a husband carrying around whoever's in that box no i think out of all of them though my uh, the one that was most interesting to me was like i really was interested in the carter brothers one this gave me texas chainsaw vibes you know a family just eating people out in the boonies Uh Mm uh-huh mm-hmm makes sense uh lots of take in there lots to take in and j-dub's uh three little little stories there yeah you know every month where i do these recaps like i thought this month i was like i was like golden jay didn't do a story where he was covering like five places this month i was like my research is gonna be easy <laughs> it's fine and then j-dub cracks open she was like let me tell you the tale of three vampires i was like oh uh-huh. son of a bitch <laughs> Uh, but she did a great job and, uh, and, uh, I loved it. Uh, I'm a big fan of new Orleans, you know, that and ready to get back there, but, uh, maybe I'll miss, uh, miss going to the Carter house. Maybe I don't think I'll do that. So yeah, they claim it's still there. So I know I love new Orleans too. You know, if, if it wasn't for the smell of piss everywhere, it'd be so much better. Well, that's why you go out early in the morning when they're washing the streets. Yeah. (laughs) 
Smells like soap and water. Yeah, for a little while until, you know, it comes that night and everybody's got to get booze out of their system. Oh, man. I did. I stepped over uh, two drunk guys. One of them shit himself and it was running <laughs> down the street. And the other one had puked all over himself and it was run down the street. It's like, hmm. Yeah, just okay. imagine having to live there with that. No, no, no. It's a nice place to visit when one to live there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> So next up, uh, we had episode 83, which was Golden Jay's case about Elizabeth Bathory and her batshit life. <laughs> Choices. Yeah, pun, pun, pun intended, too. Yeah, that was absolutely bad shit. Like, uh, I've known about Homegirl because, I mean, like, she's they, that character's been depicted in so many movies right. and everything, but I've never done, like, a deep dive into, like, her real documented life. So... That was this was a this was a treat. It was extremely extremely screwed up, but it was interesting to learn about it. So we had uh, she was a Hungarian noblewoman and a serial killer Hall of Famer. Uh, she was known as Count uh, Count <laughs> Hall Countess of Famer. Dracula. I like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if her number if her numbers are real, oh shit, yeah, she is next to uncontested, like uh, three hundred up three hundred plus. Oh, I that's agree. A, yeah, that's a that's a lot of people. I just don't know how she pulled it off for that long. Uh, she was born uh, August seventh, fifteen sixty, and died at the age of fifty four on August twenty first, sixteen fourteen. So she died a little bit after her birthday. Uh, when she left this world, uh, she had a body count of over three hundred people and was walled up in her own castle tower to spend the rest of her life uh, a much more friendly demise than her shitheel edgy friends that all got dispatched <laughs> immediately after their court hearings. Uh, after her demise, she was buried at a local church. That was until the local townspeople found out and protested until they dug her up and shipped her body off to her home country to be buried. But to this day, there is no confirmation that she ever made it there or the location of her corpse. So... You covered this thing, Jeremy. Uh, what's some of the most more interesting things that you uh, found out about? You know, uh, so as as I did the research into this, it was like uh, a, a lot of everything that I got into some of the other uh, podcasts I listened to, a lot of the articles I read, all of them wanted to spend so much time on the nobility part of of her story. And I'm like, I would get bored with the, with all that when they were trying to run down the family tree, which, you know, which if, if you remember, right, the family tree had no branches on it. So, I mean, yeah. but just, just plugging down this thing and, and going through this noble family and that noble family. And we did this and we did that to combine countries and get lands and all that. For me, that was the, not the fun part. So I skipped a lot of that basically gave you the, you know, the cliff notes on what I could, you know? So, you know, her mom and dad were like cousins or brother and sister or something like that. I forget exactly what it was, but you know, they were both actually Bathanese. And so now you're fed into this whole, the, you know, that mental health thing with, you know, the inbreeding and all that. And, and then you get into her basically, ruling as her husband goes off to war and that's where it just gets trippy because she would be fucking with these these servants of hers and she would beat them and then make the eat the flesh of the ones that were you know the flesh of the ones before that were still laying on the ground she'd make them eat 
the the flesh and and you know the cartilage and all that shit. I, I mean, it was just this this chick was fucked up. And I think that she never got caught or never really got into it because she was, uh, you know, the queen and so to speak, I don't know that she was, did they actually had a queen crown or whatever, but her nobility was so high and she was the ruler of the lands that nobody ever questioned the, the crazy bullshit she was doing until she thought that the servants and the, and the, um, the peasants weren't getting her to what she wanted, you know, that she realized she was still aging and the blood baths and the drinking and the showers and all that stuff wasn't getting her. So she just started going after more noble, uh, young women. And that's when you ran into these other Kings and, and there, and to be honest, there, there is another long story of, uh, Thurman, the guy who did all the investigating, uh, and her were, were, he was, he, she was like betrothed to him in some sort of way. And I mean, it became a, it became a real tangled mess to try to, to try to kind of weave through. I kind of left a lot of that out, but it basically boiled down to him saying, yeah, she's batshit crazy. And, uh, and we need to do something about this. I think that was more towards the other Kings who were, who were coming along saying, um, this is not right. And uh, I want to know what's going on. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah to like be took notice when the other wealthy started getting snuffed out. Yeah, exactly. They didn't give two shits about the peasants and, and you know, all that. So, but, um, to be walled up into a turret, so to speak. And, and that's where you live out the rest of your days. Just fucking kill me. I mean, I don't, I I don't mind the silence for a little while, but, uh, I mean, there's a certain point where, you know, stir crazy, stir crazy. So, uh, you know, just put me out of my misery and, uh, but I mean, that's, I guess that's part of the, uh, imprisonment and the torture and, and all that, that she probably deserved, I think at that point. So, oh yeah, she was the crazy part about that is even while she was literally walled up in there, she still had full control of her lands. Well, yeah, that's that's why they didn't kill her, because they were afraid that uh, if they if they took her out, then, you know, it would just be a big, massive war over all the lands that she had. So so while she was up there, she still dictated out a will, decided what was going where and all that. And that's that's crazy to think about, like that you're so your title is so high that you could do something as heinous as what she did. And they'll be like, oh, no, you can still tell us what to do with this and this and this, but you got to stay in that room. So we make sure you don't kill. At least they knew with her that if they let her have free roam or be able to get out of that place, that it was just going to keep happening. Right. So like they, they were just like, no, we just wall her up and just let her talk to us through this little hole in the wall where we slide her dinner through and <laughs> go from there. But I think the most important thing to take away from, from the Bathany story is, it takes 28 people to fill a bathtub. Oh, good lord. <laughs> hey, that was something else. I couldn't believe that that's what it was. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> I know. I hope my math was right on that. I mean, I that, sat there and figured it out pretty quick, but that's about right. It's got to be about right. Like, it, it really does. And, like, so just to think about how many people she was burning through. Yeah. And, like, J Dub was like, does she reuse it for a little while or? 
Cause you know, blood coagulates and everything. It gets thick and all that. So like, I just could not imagine every time this lady was doing this, that she was like, fetch me another 28 peasants. Let's get this thing going. Well, and the, I guess the question was, is then, and you know, I don't have an answer for this, but you know, how often was she taking you, once again, you get into uh folklore compared to r- realistic things, you know? Um, I think I did read at some point that, uh, there's historians who don't believe she actually bathed in, you know, like a full bathtub full of blood, you know, it was just more of, you know, she kind of showered herself in it. And well, you know, one of the, one of the cages I talked about, you know, would raise the girls up and had the, basically like an iron maiden type thing where they would go in and, and, you know, dig in and start to make these, these girls bleed. And then that she would be underneath that cage and shower in the blood that was coming down. Um, so, you know, like you said, you know, depending on which side of the story, you know, even like the Carter brothers, you know, what side of the story you take in, did she actually fill a bathtub up and bathe in it? You know, some say she did, some say she didn't. Uh, so, I mean, take that for what it is, but how, let's say she was, how often would she take a bath? Would she quote unquote, take a bath in blood? Would it be, I mean, daily, I, I would think that'd be unrealistic. I don't think that they could have gone through 30 girls a day or, you know, to fill a bathtub for her. You know, I'm thinking maybe like once a month, you know, they they would go through and probably fill it up. If if that was the case, that she was actually physically bathing in uh, a bathtub of blood. I imagine with her mental illness that she clearly, clearly had uh, if from whatever, from the inbreeding or just was born bad shit crazy or whatnot, <laughs> that uh, I imagine in her head she would do it whenever she thought the effects like she probably ride a high after doing it. And be oh, like, yeah. oh, look at me. I'm so young now. I'm so this and that. And then like one day she wakes up, looks in the mirror and she's like, mm, I don't like what I see. Let's go get another 28 people. Right. So maybe maybe like once a month, once a month would kind of line up with the the amount of people she ended up having murdered and everything. Like if you go with like when she kind of got into that to where she got caught once a month or once every other month seems like that could be viable. The other question I have just, you know, in, in, in the thought process is, is that, you know, uh, I'm sure both of you have it at some point cut yourself and had blood on you that you didn't notice and has dried up, uh, you know, and it's really hard to kind of clean off. I mean, if you bathe in blood, would you want to rinse it off? I mean, there's a purpose of having that on you. You know, if you did, how how often would you scrub it off? I mean, would the blood still be drying on your skin or was she, um, you know, a diva enough that she needed to have that cleaned off of her right away? Or, you know, a lot of little questions that, you know, that I'll never have an answer to because I wasn't there unless I, I, always, I get a time machine. <laughs> I always thought of it like a face, like a face mask deal. Like I imagine she's putting it on and she just leave it on for a certain amount of time. And then just wipe it off. And then wipe it off, you know. Right up. Yeah, after it starts tightening up, you know. Yeah. It makes your skin feel a little tighter. I think that's what it would be like. <laughs> oh, I cannot imagine. Like, what, what stops you from being employed by her from just fleeing the country, you know? Like, your first day there is a maid or a butler, and you're just seeing, like, people being fed people, and she's clearly insane, and, like, I get it times were hard and money was hard back then, but like 
leave the country, go, go work for someone else in another place. You know, somebody that just like does casual, like normal whipping of like servants and stuff, you know, <laughs> like I get, it's like medieval S times and like, they're probably going to hit you regardless, but like in the County over, they're just, they're just like flogging you and that's it. You know, you're not getting drained or having to eat people. I just <laughs> couldn't. It's just bizarre. Any takeaways for you, Mason on this story? Uh, that reminded me of the times of I used to be a phlebotomist for the Red Cross, and um, you would get these batshit crazy people to come in that um, because during October we would do our vamp vamptober thing for Red for Red Cross, and uh, you get these weird ass people, and uh, actually had a woman come in one time that had like a bathtub built around her, and she's like here to give blood, and I'm like, what the hell are you wearing? And she's like. I'm Elizabeth Bathory. And I'm like, okay, done my research. And I was like, oh dear God. <laughs> and it, as soon as we, and as soon as I heard that name come up, I was like, oh my God, that it's that friggin' woman again. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. It's the whole ass bathtub around her. <laughs> it was insane. Oh, yeah. That whole story was, was it? Yeah. I, Oh, good lord! That's what Bamtober's all about, baby. All icky. Hey, we all we all covered well, every different shade of vampire, really. Oh, absolutely. Like, like, like you said, this is a lady that was bathing in it. J Dubs was like actual vampire, like what most people know as vampires: people biting people and sucking blood. And then we had the rocker chick, which we're gonna get her in a second, but hers was more like. uh almost like an essence vampire, you know? Yeah. Psychic vampire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, which that brings us to that, which is episode 84 on October 18th, where the rocker chick told us a story titled a true story of a vampire. Now this was, I got into this and the more interesting stuff I found out was about the author. Yeah. Um, the author was a noble man too, but he was noble. Uh, count Stenbach Stenbach. I hope I pronounced that right. A man that himself was renowned for his bizarreness uh, that a lot of people blamed on his addiction to alcohol and opium. Uh, uh, Count Steinbeck actually slept every night in an actual coffin and always ate his meals with his best friend and pet that was a toad on his shoulder. This man was considered a very edgy writer for his era since he tended to weave a lot of homosexual overtone into his books. And in this day and age, that's absolutely normal. But in 1894, not so much. But regardless, uh, the tale was published in uh, put in put in a collection call of short stories called "The Studies of Death," a collection that H.P. Lovecraft himself claimed to enjoy thoroughly. So this guy has written story. He's written some stories about werewolves, uh, a bunch of other ones. But like, apparently, this guy was just like he made ner people nervous to be around. Because, like I said, he's he had a real coffin in his house. That was the only thing he slept in. When he would leave his house and go places, he would ship his coffin. And he had this big ass toad that was trained to just sit on his shoulder while he ate his meals, and he would feed it on his shoulder. <laughs> a toad. Well, you know, uh, there's a lot of tales of vampires themselves. Vampires and witches and warlocks have familiars, and usually they were depicted as like weird animals. Like nowadays, we think cats, but like they're like toads, snakes, 
rats, all of like classic familiars. So it makes you kind of wonder if that dude was something on his own or if he just drank his own Kool-Aid so much on top of all the opium to where he was just like, yeah, I'm going to sleep in a coffin. I have a best friend's toad. But the the tale was interesting. Uh, well, like I said, it was it was bizarre. Uh, There's a lot of points that were really uh, cringy for me because, like I said, uh, we would talk about Chiller Filler, which comes out here shortly. Um, but like the J Dub and then we're talking about like the vibes. Like you guys talked about the vibes of maybe he was the boy's real father, but to me, like he gave off uh, some creepy Stranger Danger vibes to me. Right, like he seemed like he was romantically interested in that boy from like the get go, and uh, like the kissing on the mouth stuff and everything. And you know, he seemed to be interested. And they talked about, like I said, with the overtones and everything, he seemed to be interested in everybody in that house but that girl. I think him and dad had something going on, I think him and the boy had something going on. And I think when uh, the boy, I don't think I think he was upset when the boy died, I think he knew what was happening to the boy, and it wasn't like he had no choice. I think that was like the 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 sad part of it is like that it kind of gave off vibes like this is inevitable. I have to do this. I do. I want to do this to you. No, I love you. Uh, but when he was talking about like you have the cursed uh, the curse of being a musician and this and that, I think he was basically just being like you have the curse of being appealing to me. So even though I love you and I enjoy your company, you're gonna die because of me. Is how is how I picked it. Now I took it a little bit differently when it came to the the uh, his um, Gabrielle's talents, so, you know, uh, being able to play the musical instruments and his talents with the uh, with the animals. As far as you know, um, how he can just um, almost you know almost talk to him, and and they were just all so eager to come up to him and and be a part of his life. I I took that as when he apologized. Uh, or you know, saying he was sorry about the musicianship and stuff like that. And I took that as, as uh, you're so talented and you have so much potential to as you grow older that you know I'm sorry that I'm going to have to you know basically take your life uh, for for myself. And it's you know it's not really what I want to do, but it's kind of what I have to do in order for him to uh, to proceed on. And once again, too, even more was that was is he really didn't want to, but he he couldn't stop it. Yeah, it wasn't something that he had real control over. But that's a good take. I never even thought about that, but that's a that's a solid take. Uh, I wonder in my mind, I wonder if the whole train thing was just like a shtick that he used to get invited into people's houses. Because you know the whole lore behind behind vampires is they can't come in unless invited. So like right. imagine you're a vampire back in the day, back when like people were courteous like that, be like, oh, you missed your train, come stay with me, and my family for the night. You just yeah. be a vampire with your suitcase and just go stand out there, and be like, oh, I missed my train, and people be like, hey, come stay at my place. He's like, oh, are you inviting me over? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, oh, got it. Yep, done. Um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't take anything to, especially at that time. And most of the time, if you remember, kind of in that era, most people were like that. You know, were it was an open door policy where, you know, they weren't afraid to invite somebody in to, um, you know, to stay and to, you know, to help them out. Yeah. Especially if this guy, you know, she said that he was always dressed nice and stuff like that. He was like a nobleman or whatever. 
So, you know, how many people would we, you know, invite in if there were a celebrity or so? Right. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Except Will Smith. No on Will yeah. Smith. Uh, <laughs> would have. Oh. Years ago, I would have. Um, I, I also think like it almost felt like the brother himself to me felt very Faye-esque, like very like fairy-esque. Yeah. Just because like the way they described him, he's like he's just naturally talented at music. Uh, he could talk to animals. And the fact that the brother at first, the brother was the one, if correct me if I was when they this is the part that confused me when she read the story. Now, when they said that they shook hands, was it the vampire that felt the pulse on the boy, or was it the boy that felt the pulse on the vampire? No, because it was the boy a... sprinted away shortly afterwards. Uh, the, the way I took it was is that the stranger actually reached over, and I'm, I'm assuming he shook his hand and then just put his finger on the pulse around his uh, uh, his wrist. That was what I envisioned when when she was telling that story was he reached out to shake his hand. He probably, I mean, you got to think the kid's hands are like you know twice as yeah. small. So I imagine the finger he could have just reached out and placed his finger right there on his wrist just to get his pulse, which you know, is, is a, a weird thing for that little girl to kind of notice. Pick up on. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't something that, I mean, I would have never in my lifetime would have thought to look yeah. at, at something like that. But, um, that's what, that's how I took it. Yeah. His, like you said, his, his immediate shining to the boy just kind of made me feel like there was something, something odd about the boy that like just instantly attracted him to him because it was right. like, he's, it was like right at, right from the start. You know, so well, know, and then very- and you're you're on to something there, because like you said, uh, you know, the boy runs upstairs. The boy never had used the stairs up to that very point. He'd always like to climb up the tree and go through his window. Uh, you know, and this was the first time that she noticed that, you know, he immediately ran upstairs and got in his Sunday's best to come back down, you know, to what would they have supper or whatever. But I mean, so is there something that in that touch that that handshake it was there something that uh, started the in my mind mind control to the boy because the boy constantly talked about the stranger the entire time even when he was away he was asking for him um you know where's he at what is he doing why is he not here so did that immediately take over uh you know some sort of mind control or being control or whatever, you know, that was something that stuck with me. Yeah. And that's, like I said, that's, like he, oh, go ahead. Do, go ahead. Mason. Do what? I kind of felt like it was like a, like an imprinting type thing on him. Yeah. Like he was able to catch his vibe. And then he was like, Oh, this kid, this kid has something about him. So I'm in the right place at the right time. And then I kind of felt like when he took the stairs instead of the tree, I was like, hmm, maybe here he already got some energy from him. That's fair. Yeah, if he was, if he already had tapped into him a little bit, like you might not feel like going and shimmying up a tree like a little yeah. weird Tarzan kid if you feel a little sapped. True. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a classic vampire trope is the whole uh, charming of people or the bedazzling or whatever you want to go with, like where you just they basically just look them in the eyes or like just sucking off enough energy off of them to where they basically become obsessed with the vampire, which makes it easier for them to keep coming back to that said person. Because 
like you said, that boy became infatuated with him basically instantly. Uh, it seemed like the father too, but to a lesser degree, which makes me wonder if the father was fed on at all, or if the father was just charmed to the extent of getting him to turn a blind eye to all the weird shit that's going on in the well, household. Well, that, and he was translating a lot of the books that the father was interested in. And I mean, you know, that, uh, if you're interested in something like that and you, somebody comes along that can help you further what you're trying to do, you know, that becomes an infatuation right there too. It's like, Oh, this guy's going to be able to help me. He's going to be able to, to, uh, kind of work this out. And, you know, I mean, it's, that's easy that to me, that's an easy one as a musician, you know, you work with a musician who's more talented than you, you can learn from. And all you want to do is just keep going back over to your buddy, get, you know, your guitar player buddy's house to learn more and more and more. That's fair. This is the whole tale was really, really interesting. And it was something we haven't done on uh two soft before is where we just have somebody sit down and tell a story. Right. Which was really interesting. Uh, being a listener, Mason, like how did you feel about the episode and like the change up of the format and everything? Actually, I really like the whole story vibe. Um, that story was actually really well written and I wanted to go and uh, actually uh, researched on that uh, author itself. But um, yeah, that was a really good change up. And um, yeah, I've always liked the whole story, like go back and they, you talk about like the whole lore and everything like that and everything that goes along with it. So is that something you'd like to see more of down the road? Um, Yeah, I think it'd be cool. You tell them, you know, you can pick out any stories from everybody else and see what their take was on it and then have a forum like this. Yeah, I think I I agree, too. Uh, I know uh, I don't think I'm built for story reading myself. I struggle reading my kid bedtime stories. <laughs> and I, those I, are the small words. Yeah, they are. They really are. <laughs> I've been reading the same Halloween book all month, and I'm still tripping up on the scene where the dad's sneezing on a hayride. So. <laughs> Uh, and then I guess that leads, uh, up to me and what I care, what I covered, which was the new England, uh, vampire panic. And that actually podcast land, everything's filmed out of order. So technically that drops this Wednesday. <laughs> so Mason's yeah. the only per the only fan that's been able to listen to it so far. Uh, I talked about, uh, technically I talked about multiple cases all tied to one big case technically though. Uh, because they were all all mine were from the same town, uh, Exeter. Uh, the first one was covering the Stuckley, uh, and his withered crops, his premonition of his family dying, uh, with his daughter Sarah being the accused vampire. Another case I covered that was in the same town was the Young family, which was with their daughter Nancy, and uh, that one was one of the ones that stuck with me the most, with just the 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 mental picture of what the townspeople claimed of father young uh telling nobody he didn't want anybody's help and he dug his own daughter's grave up and then carried her corpse to the pyre like that that visual in my head was very haunting i think that's something that's going to stick with me forever i can't imagine the people actually saw it in person what that was like to deal with mentally especially all the family being called out there to stand around the pyre and being told like hey kids that keep coughing up their own lungs breathe deep get as much yeah. as is in you as as possible with us all knowing now that all that was doing was making it so much worse for them 
on top of the mental damage is doing, knowing that they were literally breathing in their sister. And like I said, they had to have seen their father carrying her too, which she had been in the ground for a while there. So that just, that whole thing was icky. And then we had a uh, mercy Brown, which is one of the most famous cases of like we talked about of a corpse being exhumed for uh technically like sacrificial type, uh, type purposes all in the same t- small town. Uh, and it just, like you said, it spread like wildfire, especially back then with people, uh, we talked about in the episode, how, when these smaller towns were moved from these bigger cities, they leaned more towards superstition and, uh, old folklore than they did to the people in the cities who had electricity already and and the start of automobiles and were looking for cures for diseases. Meanwhile, these people are like, we kill the vampire. That is the medicine. That's the cure for the disease. So it was a, it was trippy to look at, and like I said, that was only three stories about the New England vampire panic. There was a lot more cases of graves being dug up, and families being forced to exhume bodies of their families to do things from inhaling them to ingesting their ashes, which is another thing I just couldn't fathom. Was, how far? Was, how, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. It was just a neat case to look into. How far offset? were we from the Salem witch trials to, uh, to this story? Oh, the Salem witch trials would have been a significant time before then. Right. Because you got to think that was still, that was Salem witch trials were not too long after pilgrims and stuff like that. I mean, the, the, the Salem witch trials were nowhere near electricity. Okay. But it was the same mindset though. In these stories took place late in late 1800s. Is that right? Mm-hmm. If I remember yeah, right, and some right. Of, yeah, some of them in the 1900s. Right, right, right. Uh, I just, I'm just trying to patch it together of of why, as we sit here and talk, as, as we sit here and rehash it and talk about it, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out why, why in this area has this become a thing? Why in this small town? Like you said, these are just three stories of many that happened in this small town um you know is that the mindset of the of the town council that said oh oh you know all this is what's going on it worked for this first one we just do it with all of them you know is that is it that mentality or is it something in the ground you know it was uh is this the case of you know uh too much iron or you know something in the ground that that's because we got to think back then you're either either you're pulling water from a, a well that you've dug or you're pulling it from the river or the streams right at, at this point i mean in the late 1800s that's how kind of where you're getting your water source plus your crops are coming from the ground is it something in the ground that was causing this if you follow what I'm getting at here, yeah, you know? I get you. It's like, why did it spread so bad in the New England area, yeah, opposed to the rest? And I think it, uh, I think it could be a little bit of everything. I think a big chunk of it is like we, we settled this country in very different speeds throughout it, right? So, like, like we said, these were happening rural towns where, like, most of these towns weren't even like, uh fully converted to Christianity or anything like that to where like, instead of a mayor, they had a town council 
So you've got all these town council people, which are usually elders. So usually. they've been around and seen a bunch of shit. So like this probably started with one of the first cases I talked about. Uh, and then somebody else gets tuberculosis because, you know, it is going to happen. Right. And they went back then to like the not well-educated. It looked like a curse because in these rural towns where houses are spread apart, and like there isn't back then, it wasn't like everybody was going to the store for this or that. Everybody grew their own crops, uh, grew their own food. And so they really didn't get outside of their house and their family so often. So when a family get hits with tuberculosis, it's aerial. Right. Uh, it looks like a curse. It looks like, well, why is this family dying left and right? Why, why is everybody going so quickly? And then they start looking at like, well, this happened uh 10 years ago to the young family and we determined that that was a vampire and it stopped uh shortly after us digging up this person and burning them but you gotta think uh in like an educated mind it's like it didn't stop because you burned that person it stopped because by the time that you got to the conclusion that it's a vampire seven out of the 14 members of this family are already dead and been buried for a while, if it was going to be killing the rest of the family, they'd already have it right? and be on death's door, which in most cases would have happened. Like the older people, mom and dad, and like the eldest siblings survive because they're older. They've probably been exposed to disease before, better immune system. So then all the young ones die off. And then they're like, oh, well, we, by the time we burn this, just a few months later, nobody else died. And this is because everybody with compromised immune systems and the not right stuff in their bodies to fight it, are already dead right but in the elder's mind they're like no we fixed it by finding <laughs> out who's the vampire which usually ended up being somebody that got buried uh in a particular time like we talked about they were like oh it was uh yada yada because her body barely showed signs even though she'd been buried this long it's like yeah but you tried to bury her in january and you couldn't because right. the ground was frozen so you basically stuck her in a big rock refrigerator until two weeks ago where you finally put her on the ground and now you're digging her up and you're like, look how fresh she is. She's a vampire. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, you basically had her in a corner fridge for a, almost a half a year. So right. yeah, she looks a little bit, she's just now thawing out. So it's just, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of superstition. And like we said, this, all three of these happened in the same town. Uh, I imagine by the time it got around to mercy, uh, there was probably still lingering members of the original town council that were like the younger members, you know? And now they're just a lot older and they're like, well, I've seen two cases of vampires in this town. And this is awfully similar. It's because it's the same disease. <laughs> right. They killed them all. And they, and it's also like loops in with panic too, because people start seeing this and they're like, I don't want this to spread to my family. So we need to figure something out. I mean, two out of three of these cases, families were forced by their neighbors and the town council to dig up their loved ones. They didn't want to, but they didn't get a choice and they had to do it. And then with the one, they made their son drink his sister's ashes, which holy crap. That's the Kool-Aid you don't want to drink. Oh, I cannot even imagine. <laughs> but it was, at least it was neat to look into uh, yet again with the different shade of vampire. Like this is, this is the classic tale of vampires like before they were considered like fangs and blood sucking vampires were more of a malevolent spirit attached to a loved one that was 
not even leaving the grave, but the spirit of them would leave the grave and leech blood and life out of you and then go back to the grave. And that's why supposedly the corpse looks so fresh is because right. it was keeping it energized and full and its liver and heart full of blood, which really with tuberculosis, the reason they would see blood on their lips and everything, even after they expired, that stuff would still leave their system. Their their lungs were full of blood and deterioration. So it's going right. to, as gross as it think about, it's going to leak out. So there weren't pretty tales, but they were they were neat. It was just it was really hard to pick where to go. Right, so, right. And but I got the benefit of being one of the last one to go. So I got to see kind of what like everybody what every shade of vampire everybody was doing. So I just wanted to go with this one. Mason, what do you think of it? I liked it. I hadn't never heard that story before or any of the vampire panic or anything up in the New England state. Like, uh, I thought that was really cool because, and back to the whole, you know, they were trying to figure out what was killing these people and everything like that. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, well, where do these people probably immigrate from that was in this town? Like, what kind of, you know, superstitions did they have? And I was like, well, obviously it must have been something with a vampire. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you know all these horrible things going on. Tuberculosis was <laughs> one of the one of the worst diseases out there. And then you know you were trying to make heads or tails of it any way you could, and just you know take it out. I had. I might still have it somewhere. I actually. I probably lost it by now. Oh no, I've got it right here. Uh, there was actual flyers being passed down, uh, passed around in Exeter, stapled to walls and everything. And uh, this is what they read. Uh, big, bold letters. These would be printed out in the presses and everything. It says, believe in vampires. Rhode Islanders who are sure that they do exist. Instances told of where the living have been attacked and preyed upon by these representatives of the unseen world. Uh, and at the bottom of it was a member of the anti-vampire party. And like it might be hard to see here, but it's just a depiction of uh, of uh, hearse buggy going through the town and a guy with a gun and stuff guarding it. And these were actual literature that was handed out back then. That's how real it was to these people, which is just bonkers to think of. Well, and I don't, I don't doubt that it's it's extremely real to them. I mean, you mean you know, even with my speculation of you know what I might think. That's the, that's the murder nerd in me coming out, you know, thinking about all the different aspects of, you know, what could, what could be, you know, this direction or that direction. But I mean, I never in a million, you know, would have thought that any different of those people that was true to them, of what they thought was going on, um, you know, whether it be from folklore or superstition or whatever the case may be. But I mean, that was extremely real to them. So, yeah, I can totally see that flyer going out. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, like I said, in the bigger cities where they would make fun of the fun of what happened to these people because people would report on it because it would spread. Right. Uh, and like for the father for uh, uh, Mercy Brown, like we talked about him, that that man lived long enough to see an actual cure be made for the disease that killed the majority of his family, and he he fought it the whole time. He didn't believe it. He didn't want to dig his daughter up. He but he didn't, like I said, he didn't get a choice. The town doctor didn't even get a choice, really, because he didn't believe in it himself. But he knew if these people were going to be exhuming these graves, he wanted to make sure the bodies were treated 
with as much respect as possible and in the safest way as possible because he knew that she died of a disease and she and he's like you know we're gonna have this group of people all around this disease ridden decomposing corpse if it's not handled by a professional we're just gonna end up with an outbreak of god knows what and uh Unfortunately, after they got her out of the ground, he kind of lost control of the situation and that, you know, they they tore into the girl and took her heart and right. burned it and her liver. And just like it's it's crazy to think about from both sides, from the side of the people that fully believed it, from the side of the people that like the doctor and the dad that like had no beliefs in it whatsoever and just had to watch madness take over a town and uh, fucking. uh group mentality mob mentality get the rule of it you know right right well yeah that was my that was my story like i said it was interesting it was my first time being back to do a case in a long time so that was definitely <laughs> uh, the wheels on that a little bit <laughs> hey it was fun i mean all of bamtober was good uh i do have a question though out of i mean besides saint germain could we you if i remember right uh, the girl said that he, that he actually bit her, right? He did, yeah. But I mean, all the rest of the, I mean, um, with Bethany and and the others, it was all pretty much a drain and drain and drink, wasn't it? Not many of the uh, traditional bite marks, uh, you know, the sucking of the blood that way, was it? Yeah, no, there wasn't. I don't think next to really any of our cases, like we don't really, as far as the literature for the Parker brothers, uh, the Carter brothers was, it sounded like they were draining them too, like in yeah. cups and, and stuff. So there wasn't a lot of like biting and sucking. And she did say he bit her. Yeah. So, but he also had all of this blood stored in. In wine, wine bottles. bottles. Yeah. So was he biting like clearly he hurt her pretty bad because she died and not to mention it could have been also stuff from the fall she did jump from a second story window right right she could have broke a rib punctured a lung uh, medical stuff wasn't released so we don't know but i mean he bit her bad enough to where she lost a whole bunch of blood because the house was covered in it right so i imagine she probably died of blood loss i would think because they weren't doing transfusions back then so when you lost it, you lost it. If you didn't have enough in you to rebound, you're just gone. fucked. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he was the only like by today's standards, like vampire vampire that we really covered the whole blood sucking right from the tap via his right. mouth. Yeah. I would, I, as I'm listening to the stories and even thinking about it, 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 you know, when we recorded them and, and all that, um, that we really didn't have a traditional, what you would think of as a vampire, you know, you know, I always think of, uh, you know, the Buffy vam- vampires are always bit the neck, drained the blood and, and, you know, been done with it that way. And we didn't really have that traditional, um, blood sucking vampire, which I, which I like even more because it wasn't traditional. We just didn't do, Oh, I'm Dracula. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. we suck your blood type thing. We, you know, we all went in different directions and, we brought in inner, I thought interesting stories all the way through of, uh, different styles of vampire and, and, uh, and just, I, I thought it made for a very interesting Bamtober and I'm very proud of us. I'm patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's one of those things with like lore changes throughout time. 
And yeah. uh, if the lore, some of these things could be real. Some of these are people with mental illness. Uh, what the lore is at the time affects the psyche of the people that partake in it, you know? Right. So you, so like we had like the count and uh, what was the count? He was not 1902. So that's like at the turn of the century. Uh, that's after around Mercy Brown era. So uh, right. Bram Stoker's Dracula had been out the book. So maybe he leaned more towards that. Or maybe the legends where he grew up uh, from overseas in France, maybe that was more of the bite and suck kind, right. you know? And then opposed to the people back in the 1800s, they were like, uh, I just need to uh, drink the blood. I don't need to necessarily bite it. And then back all the way with Bathory, where she was like, I don't need to drink the blood because my problems are internal. What I need to right. do is look young, so I need to slather that shit on me. <laughs> I think I have a thick glaze going on yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a very a very uh very good Vamptober. Um I'm I'm excited about it. I'm excited about uh getting some more feedback from the listeners. So uh as you get into the other side as we finish up here, um, you know, email us at the United States Paranormal at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and what you thought of Bamtober as a whole. And um, you know, did like with Mason said here, he really liked the the rocker chick story, and he wouldn't mind hearing, you know, more a couple more like that down the road, the storytelling, uh, you know, a long letter or whatever. Uh, I know that uh, as we get into the chiller filler for uh Halloween. Um, I know ISO talked about wanting to hear more about horror, uh, how haunted houses over some of the other stuff we've kind of covered. He really liked that stuff. So we're going to try to do a couple more of those. We want to know from our listeners, what you, uh, what you want us to talk about. You know, we love to hear from the listeners and, uh, hopefully Mason can attest this. We love to interact with our listeners and, and have conversations with them and, and get to know them and, and stuff like that. So I hope. Yeah, it's a good time. It's always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of our mouths. <laughs> it's true. But uh, it had, like I said, uh, like Golden Jay said, we feedback is always fantastic because we can. We it always, just like lore, we're always changing. You know, yep. How we started and how we are now is very different, and it's just going to keep changing. So, if there's something you a change that you would like to see, let us know. Hit us up. You could hit us up on Facebook like Mason has or our email at the United States of Paranormal at gmail.com. Uh, I believe you can get to us through our website, um, yep. Instagram. Uh, I think the only platform we really aren't on right now is we don't do Twitter or X or whatever it is because I've never been good at that and I'm, I'm all right. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a lot of people do at this point. Um like I said, we got one more episode this month and it's going to be coming out on Halloween and it is the the Halloween uh, chiller filler, which we do have ISOCAM popping in for that one. Uh, like podcast lands weird. So we've already recorded it. So the, technically this is it for us as far as like working on it. Right. Uh, we've got just a few more days before the Vamtober merch is gone. So if you want some, absolutely go hit it up there. It's an amazing design. Mason's wearing it right now. If you're watching the YouTube it's a great shirt. Uh, you get cups, posters, and a rib knit beanie. 
Wow. <laughs> There's been so much they're going to talk of ribbed in. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> You know, we you guys should really do uh, some condoms. I think. Um, you know, hey, I'll take a sponsor wherever we can get it. <laughs> hey, would you use a condom with my face on it? That's kind of defeats wow. the purpose. Spooky <laughs> <laughs> uh, gets steamy. Here's your, yeah. <laughs> your pleasure condoms from Two Sops. Yeah, absolutely. Golden so. J approved. <laughs> check so definitely go check all that out before it's gone uh i still need to go place my order i gotta get me uh i gotta get me a cup and a, a shirt before hell i still need to get me some other side merch that's on there i'm not even repping my my own segment i'm on so. i know right rep yeah we got some great other side merch on there too uh that logan has put together that looks great uh the with the uh hands on the tv if you haven't seen it go check it out unitedstatesparanormal.com very poltergeist inspired i I loved watching that movie as a kid so that's where i wanted to lean with that one uh if you're if you finish up vamtober and you need more halloween content head on over to the call guys uh chico and colton will be back from their hiatus uh this coming monday and those babies are adorable they are they absolutely are uh and we i'll be on that with iso 2 covering uh covering some spooky content so you can head on over there those boys make have a great show uh i thoroughly enjoy them so if you need more spooky content head on over to the call guys yeah yeah everybody's gonna get their fill of logan this uh this week yeah if, uh <laughs> so his episode drops on his episode drops on uh the wednesday and then this on the Saturday, and then he'll be on the call guys on Monday, the chiller filler on Tuesday. So, uh, go out and enjoy yourself some Logan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you won't have to listen to me until once a month again. So yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's wrap this up. Mason, do you have anything you'd like to say on the, on the way out of the episode here? It was a great, uh, it's been a great month. I've loved all these different stories and everything, all the different takes on it all. And J Dub listened to her and the the 1.5 was a, was an experience. I'm glad you <laughs> said that. Have you, uh, have you seen the post about the playlist and everything? What do you think about Tusop's music taste? Um, dude, I've loved it. I actually, before we started the episode, I went through and I made my own. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, yeah, absolutely. If you guys make your own playlist, send it to us on our socials. Yeah. I'm always interested in listening to people's stuff. And same with movie takes. I love hearing people's favorite horror movie takes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mine dropped this week. So I'm excited for that. Are you ready for uh, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's? Oh, absolutely. See, I'm <laughs> this week is big week for me because this is where I go camping, my annual renaissance camping, and we're going on the Halloween weekend. And Thursday night, all Thursday, I'll be cooking for getting stuff ready for the camp. And I'll also be doing the pod recording podcast with the call guys. And I told Kayla, I was like, I was like, they moved it. Five Nights at Freddy's coming out Thursday night. Now it's going to be streaming on the cock, the peacock. It's on there. (laughs) And and she was like, we're going to be really busy. And I was like, I know, but I'll make it work. And they moved originally was going to drop at midnight Thursday, but now they moved it to drop it at like eight, I think. So I was like, oh, it's happening. I'm watching it because I'm not I've been waiting for that movie for over eight years because they bought the rights and have changed it so many times. 
that I'm not getting spoilers for it. I'm consuming that main line as soon as it comes out. Yeah, I was really excited to see that. I was like, first when I, they first showed it, it was going to be on Peacock. And I was like, heck, I don't even have to go out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even have to go to theaters anymore. I just, I just stream it. So once you watch it, hit me up on the socials and let me know what you think. And I'll, uh, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll talk with you about it for sure. And that goes for anybody out there. If you ever want to talk horror movies, hit us up. You want to tell us something spooky to research? Let us know. You got a, something you lived through or been told secondhand you'd like to tell us via audio and have it played back in an episode? Absolutely do it. Yes, we will do our best to respond as quickly as we possibly can. And don't forget, I'm still looking for those audio clips. So if you've got one in your story, send it in. Uh, I need a couple more so I can do a whole episode of just listener submissions. So please, guys, send uh, take a few minutes and record it and send it to me. Would appreciate it. Don't be nervous. Just jump on there and do it. Yeah, that's fine. We got a couple great ones, and uh, I, I'm ready to get them ready to get them out and and get this episode done. So, got some other big things coming up for November and December. Uh, I've talked about it uh, before. Peter's coming back. Uh, if you guys remember him from the uh, UFO and the UFO and the Kettsburg UFO crash uh, story, he was a great guest. Uh, looking forward to working with him on an on another new story from out there in Pennsylvania area. And uh, yeah, Larissa is going to make her debut on the uh, United States Paranormal in December. Um, got a text from her today. Nice. She's super excited. She she just texted me. She goes, I just wanted um, to uh, let you know, you and Rocker Chick let you know I was thinking about you days. I would got caught up in all that Chiefs game day traffic. <laughs> oh, no. So I love that, man. I love that beyond words that, uh, you know, that's her first thought. I was like, oh, I bet Jeremy and Bobby are not here and enjoying not dealing with this fucking traffic. Yeah, good Lord. <laughs> So, yeah, she's going to be with us in December. Totally looking forward to that. So, all right, guys, I got to get out of here. Mason, thank you so much, man. It's so nice to to meet you face-to-face yes. via the web. Uh, you know, like I said, I've enjoyed all of our conversations and keep, uh, keep them coming, man. Uh, love to hear from you as much as possible. So, and we'll definitely have to do this again. Yeah. Sure thing. Awesome. And tell the hubby we said hi. Yes. Does he listen to us too, or is it just you? Um, usually he'll listen to like whenever we're, we're, I'm listening in the car and stuff like that. Right on. And uh, he, I don't know what the hell he listens to. It's it's, <laughs> it's out there. That's how it goes. Don't worry, the rocker chick doesn't listen to Golden J stuff. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. She goes, I live with him. I don't want to fucking listen to him all day long either. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, well, we're out. Thank you, Mason, and we'll see you on the other side. Absolutely. Keep it spooky. Later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the United States of Paranormal. Check us out at the United States of Paranormal.com or at any other of our social media pages. At Twitter at T O S O P P O D. At Instagram at the United States of Paranormal or Facebook at the United States of Paranormal or YouTube at the United States of Paranormal 1795. Please check out our other podcasts in the Golden Mojo Entertainment Network. 
The Call Guys, Golden Image Podcast, Indiana Chiefs fans, The Golden 80s, Murd Nerds, and A Court of Books and Booze. And if you have a location you would like us to check into or a creepy story that you would love to tell us, please email us at the United States of Paranormal at gmail.com. Please like, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen.